This is an ABC podcast. I catch myself all the time. I can hear my dad in what I say. Kids, will you turn that TV off or I'll throw it out the window? <clears throat> she doesn't have a voice that's quite as gruff as that, but I can just feel the shot of adrenaline. You know, when you'd hear that, you'd look over your shoulder and go... <gasps> oh, I find myself sounding exactly like my father and saying, don't use the word hate. Hate is a very strong word. <laughs> oh, I sound too much like him. When there was the threat of a flying TV, that was when things were getting very serious. My equivalent of that is, if you kids can't find a way to play nicely with that toy, I'm going to throw it in the bin. And I just use exactly the same tone. I feel exactly like my mum. OK, hands up. Who's had the words you swore you would never say to your own children just, like, slip out of your mouth? And you think... Oh, no. I sound exactly like my parents. It's funny, right? But here's the thing. It's not just the sayings we pick up. Our parents can, well, really mess us up in ways we don't even realise until we become parents. I'm Maggie Dent, and to kick off a brand new season of Parental As Anything, we're not looking at difficult behaviours or challenging kids, or even quick fixes. We are digging deep into the one thing that can make you a better parent. Your past. Those moments when you feel really triggered by your kid... Well, it's not fun for anyone, let's be honest. But where are those feelings really coming from? It's never about the kid or it's just incidentally about the kid, but really about how the kid is evoking within the parent all sorts of unhealed wounds, unmet expectations and fantasies. And when the parent doesn't realise that they are the one who needs to be raised, then we are just children raising children. Oh, ouch. Yep, you heard it. Children raising children. Dr. Shivali Sabari is a clinical psychologist and she has written five best-selling parenting books, including The Conscious Parent. Shivali says we don't just need to parent our kids, we need to parent ourselves because how we deal with the baggage from our own childhoods will impact the way we parent more than anything else. Oh, like I said, deep, huh? And the place to start is by looking within, to your own inner child. So the inner child basically is the sum of all the ways that we felt unseen, unmet, unheard, invalidated, unworthy. So we all felt like that to some degree or the other. Now, the reason we don't look within is because historically, these kinds of feelings are not welcomed by parents. Parents have a really hard time with feelings. (laughs) We want our kids to be happy, obedient, joyful, so that we feel competent. So the work of conscious parenting helps parents to go back to their feelings and heal those feelings to enter back into a sense of worth. When we go through this process of reparenting, so to speak, then we can 
begin to truly attune now to our children and not to the child that is raging within us for attention. We can now calm that child within us, heal that child to some degree, and now pay attention to the child before us, the real child before us. Like I said, this is a big idea that affects how we parent every day. Because according to Shafali, when our kids trigger us by misbehaving, by being disrespectful, or they simply don't do what we want them to, it's not them doing that to us, it's something within us. My child triggers me a bit when she's losing it. Like, I can tell she's just tired and and can't, you know, emotionally regulate herself. But it triggers me as an adult because despite my own parents' best efforts, I don't think I was a very emotionally resilient kid. So when my daughter loses it now, it's like this little window into my own shortcomings, which is shit. But it does harden my resolve to make that resilience front and centre of my parenting. And when I'm at my weaker states, I have yelled back on occasion. I believe the very words, you don't know how good you've got it. If I feel that they're disrespecting me, then I can actually lash out quite strongly. And I'm almost surprised by it. And my husband can be a bit taken aback. And that is probably because we were always taught to be very respectful of our parents. I've tried to undo that system of parenting by thinking back to the things I didn't like at the time and attempting to do the opposite. (laughs) Who hasn't had opposite day as a parent? So, Shefali, help us parents, seriously, why do our kids push our buttons so quickly and easily sometimes? When our children follow their own way, which is really very normal for them to do, and they say they don't want to eat your lasagna or whatever you made with so much care, because we have those inner child wounds of feeling rejected or invalidated and unworthy anyway, we take our children's behavior very personally that they are rejecting us again. And those wounds get reawakened. And then we lash out at our children and and tell them, how dare you talk to me like that? Well, half the time, if not all the time, our children are just being who it is they are. They have no real awareness or even desire to drive us crazy. But Shefali, there are lots and lots of other things that can also trigger us as parents. Can you run through some of those for me? Yes, yes. So the the disobedience and the disrespect is just straight against our ego of wanting supreme control. But the other stuff, what about the ego of wanting status and perfection and achievement in our lives? Then we want our kid to be straight A students and the star of the theater, uh, the drama club and the star of this and the star of that. And if our kid is, a, you know, is not doing so well in school, then our ego will get attacked too. And everything that we didn't have, we want our kid to have. And when it doesn't come true, we're like, damn, we're back to our ordinary average selves. And that makes us very sad. You know, so we try to fix our kids and we try to get angry. Maybe if I get angry, then I can fix my kid. Or if I push my kid into having a diet, maybe then she'll be part of the popular group and maybe then she'll uh, have acceptance and then I'll feel better about myself. It's so interesting. It triggered something in me from uh, um, my, one of my, old, my oldest son was a state swimmer and really loved swimming. And he got to kind of high school and then somebody said, that's it, I'm done. 
And I remember him saying to us that basically, uh, I think you're getting more out of my competitive swimming than I am, so I'm stopping. And I went, whoa. That's an enormous burden we put on our children that they're supposed to make us look good and, and make us happy. It's a huge burden. So Shafali, I was a child of the 50s when shame-based parenting and often spankings was considered the norm. You know, it was how you raise good kids. Now, in my work as a counsellor, I've heard so many parents lament the behaviours of their parents. How do we break the cycle and avoid handing our childhood wounds from unconscious parenting to our own children, especially the shame and the guilt stuff? Yeah, it's not easy. So the how is first uh, to be prefaced with, it's not easy and it's not quick. So the how looks like understanding that it's not working. Secondly, uncovering the reasons why, and in each person's childhood, it's different. You could grow up with an aggressive parent or a perfectionistic mom or a critiquing dad. So we have to understand that all these unconscious types of childhoods that we've experienced left us feeling unworthy in some way. And then we replicated those patterns all through our lives, patterns of unworthiness, and created our own personas of the critic or the fixer or the violent one. Now we are doing to others what was done to us in some way. So uncovering these patterns is the key. And then developing the skills in the moment to notice when those patterns are coming up, to catch yourself in the moment. And then what do we do in its place, right? Then we have to adapt to new behaviors in its place. Shefali, have you got a a simple example of a parent who was unconscious and struggling with uh, her children's behavior or whatever was happening at home? And what happened as a consequence of shining a light on that story and healing that inner child? I had this mother who was so the epitome of the people pleaser, that she did everything for her kids and was always there for them. And she gave up her career. And like for all purposes, she was kind of the best mother in the world. But her kids kept getting angry with her and she couldn't understand like, what was she doing wrong? And only upon closer examination and when I began to really meet her every week, and understand and document her, you know, real patterns in real time, that I began to see how her pleasing and her caring was really smothering and enslavement and enmeshment and dependency. And when I showed that to her, she was, we were all blown away. And then as I began to explore, we began to see how needy she was of approval and how she was doing all these things out of these unspoken conditions and agreements and bo- you know bonding her children to her out of these expectations that were very subtle like oh you know i'll send you on a holiday with your friends but you have to you know spend time with me or oh, see you don't spend time with me and all these kind of guilt trips that she would do with her kids which was not apparent so when i showed her that it was really the operation and agenda of her inner child wanting significance, wanting to be loved, wanting to be seen. And her children were picking up on this and were feeling burdened by it and actually angry with her that then she just stopped midway. I mean, she was just blown away with a cast shock and awe that, oh my goodness, she had set up a dynamic where 
she was actually doing the opposite of her greatest intention, which is to be liked. She was actually creating dislike, which was her greatest nightmare. Um, and it always comes back to what is really going on within you, the parent, you know, that you're really angry about. And then we discovered how she had been suppressing her feelings all her life. And she never spoke the truth. And she was actually an angry person disguised as this obsequious pleaser, genuflecting to everyone around her, but actually angry. So this is how the process unfolds. And it takes depth and it takes courage, but there's always a way to come back. And the road back to the self is really short once you know how to do this work. So as a child who did experience that tough parenting, I created big stories that I wasn't enough, I wasn't worthy of love. And yes, I did invest a lot of time and energy and therapy to sort it out. So can I ask this question? Can we truly love our children unconditionally if we can't do the same for ourselves? No, we cannot love our children unconditionally because we haven't loved ourselves. And actually, most of us, therefore, don't love our children unconditionally. And we are constantly contouring our children to meet our fantasies. Now, does that mean we don't inordinately love our children to great depths more than perhaps any other human being? Sure, many of us do, but that doesn't mean it's unconditional. You know, unconditional love is the highest kind of love. And unconditional love by nature is freedom. And most of us are caged and don't live in freedom ourselves. So we, definitely cage our children. And we do it subtly and we do it unconsciously and we do it insidiously, but we do do it. You've written a really beautiful message that I believe we all need to hear often as parents, which is, my child isn't my easel to paint on nor my diamond to polish. My child isn't my trophy to share with the world nor my badge of honour. My child isn't an idea, an expectation or a fantasy nor my reflection or legacy. My child isn't my puppet or a project, nor my striving or desire. Besides being absolutely beautiful, Shivali, why is this message so important for us to hear as parents? Because we parents are really deluded with this concept of ownership and control and possession. Because these kids, for the most part, when biologically birth, come from our bodies and, you know, our lineage we fall into this easy arrogance and narcissism and delusion that we own them. And that's really why we have them is because we want to finally own something that's ours. And it's really hard for us when our children then institute their own destiny and their own liberation, their own will, especially if it's against ours. So parents need to constantly work on that delusion and understand that they don't own anybody. So this whole idea of ownership is at the core of parenting. And it's a wonderful opportunity to detach from that idea. But at the same time, it's also a relationship that emboldens that idea. And few people challenge that because we're yearning for this sense of significance. Oh, that is so big. We don't own our children and we can't control them. When we're looking back at our own childhoods and doing all this self-analysis, a really important thing to understand is that our memories can trick us 
because we tend to remember the bad stuff much more easily than the good stuff. Why is that? Well, what happens is that first the bad stuff always sticks more because it feels shittier. But yeah, it's just the way of nature. Like all of us remember the one terrible thing that happens rather than the million great things, right? So it takes like 10 great things to wash out a moment of badness. It's just the way our brains are wired, I think, for survival to kind of protect ourselves. But it's really one of the crappiest (laughs) things when you're parenting your kid because they have a good memory for your mistakes. Oh, absolutely. And I am... I think we need to just throw out that message too, that our parents did the best that they could didn't, with what they knew at the time. You know, I teach kids, when I say kids, I mean like 21 year old till 30, that at some point you got to let your parents off the hook. I understand that there's so much pain. I mean, this is the basis of all my work. But as much as I teach that your childhood is really responsible for all your mess, mess ups for the most part, I also teach absolving your parents of holding your happiness and holding them responsible for your current state of affairs. And the past is the past. Our parents were unconscious because they were raised unconsciously. And as we grow older, we see our own levels of unconsciousness. Hopefully we can have more compassion. Okay. So the very last question, as a mom of four very energetic sons, I know one of the greatest things that they have taught me is patience because I was an incredibly impatient child and adolescent and and woman. What is the greatest thing that your daughter has taught you, Shivali? Just this idea of not owning anyone and allowing our children to experience their own lives without it necessarily affecting us, you know, and that's really hard for us parents, really hard for me, you know, letting my kid be upset, letting my kid have a negative experience and not rushing in to fix it. And because I don't own them. And that's what I really teach in conscious parenting is how does the parents stay whole and centered and grounded, even when the kid is having a life experience that is challenging that. And that comes from wisdom. It comes from growth, from maturity, but also this fundamental idea that we don't own our children. I don't know about you, but I have to admit bits of this chat with Shefali made me want to reach for the chocolate. So if you want to avoid treating your kids like you were treated, here are some really important steps that you might like to consider taking. Next time you feel like you're losing your cool with your kids, rather than reacting in that moment, try to pause, take a breath and ask yourself the big question, what is really triggering me right now? I know it's not easy when you're sleep deprived, have a demanding boss, a looming deadline and you haven't seen the bottom of the laundry basket in two years, but it really helps. Be gentle on yourself. Seriously, just tackle one thing at a time and know that habits take a while to form, especially good ones. I found that lots of therapy, reading lots of good books, helped me to overcome a lot of my childhood baggage. So if you think you might need some help to change your ways or you have some serious trauma in your past, you might want to find a professional to talk to. And remember, parenting has always been hard and some days we do great 
and some days we lose it. That doesn't make us lousy or bad parents. It just shows we are human. But dealing with our baggage can save our kids from carrying it into their lives. Surely that's worth it. I'm going to be a nice mummy, a working hard mummy, playful mummy, like lots of mummies. I'll just drop anything and do what my children want. I'll just drop anything to help them out with their situations in their lives. Anything, anything that they want. When I'm a mum, I'm going to cuddle my baby. I'll teach my kids to ride the bicycles every time they come and say, I want help riding my bicycles. I love my mummy when I grow up to be a daddy. I'll make puzzles myself, let them play. If they be naughty, I'll send them upstairs. That's it. Next time, we're bringing you something new and exciting called Help Me Maggie. (laughs) It's your chance to ask me your sticky, tricky parenting questions. And we kick off with partying, pot-smoking teenagers who aren't where they're meant to be every single weekend. When she goes to a party, she gets dropped off at our house and then when my daughter goes to pick her up, she's not there. She's proceeded to another house, to another party and doesn't notify her mum and therefore they don't know where she is till she comes home. Um, my daughter's at her wit's end. I'd love to hear your curly questions. What are you banging your head against the wall over? Go on, email me at parentalisanything at abc.net.au. That's coming up next on Parental Is Anything with me. Maggie Dent.